her cat, um, his name is um, Fernando, but we call him Ferd. He came with that name. Anyway, one morning, Ferd opens the door of his own accord. It must not have been like latched all the way. So he breaks into the room, <laughs> jumps on the bed with me. And at first he was being really sweet. He just like wanted some pets. So we were like cuddling a little bit. All of a sudden he crawls over me to my back and starts clawing at my hair. <laughs> and I was like, no, Ferd, you can't, that hurts. So I very gently picked him up and put him on the floor, run to the restroom. He follows me there. The whole time I'm in the restroom, he's clawing at the door to try to break in. And then when I get out of the restroom, he chases me back into the guest room and I close the door on him. He was literally chasing and clawing at me like he was so mad at me because I kicked him out of the bed for clawing my hair. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Talking Underwater. One water. One podcast. I'm Katie Johns, Managing Editor of Stormwater Solutions. And I'm Bob Crossan, Senior Managing Editor for Water and Waste Digest. In this month's episode of Talking Underwater, we will highlight the recent DOD memo that temporarily halted the burning of PFAS as a disposal method, and we will touch on the complexities of Build America, Buy America. Additionally, we touch on new grant funding to the state revolving funds from the U.S. EPA. Finally, our interview this month is with Jesse Maines, the Stormwater Management Division Chief for the City of Alexandria, and Brian Rawl, the Division's Senior Civil Engineer. We spoke with them about how Alexandria is managing flood mitigation work, how flooding affects wastewater and drinking water, and green infrastructure solutions to flood mitigation. But first, a little bit of news from Bob. Yes, so the first thing is this memo issued by the U.S. Department of Defense on April 26. It established a temporary halt on the burning of PFAS as a disposal method for this family of chemicals, often referred to as forever chemicals. According to this memo, the halt will remain in place, quote, until DOD issues guidance implementing the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency interim guidance on the destruction and disposal of PFAS. So while this memo doesn't directly impact water and wastewater facilities, it really only impacts DOD activities, it did spark a lot of conversations among regulators and legislators on common disposal methods for water and wastewater treatment and expose some of the complexities involved in that. It's a very complex issue. There are a lot of moving parts. There's a handful of laws that and acts that kind of govern the disposal methods, but also the liabilities that are associated with PFAS treatment and disposal. I wrote an article on this. I talked to some industry experts and have some information on it. You can check out our show notes for more information on that article and to read it in full. Um, I go into a lot of the details on why this is such a complex issue there. And additionally, I also wrote up a follow-up piece to an EPA webinar on Build America by America. This is a law that governs the domestic preference requirements for iron and steel. Uh, it or for iron and steel manufactured products and for construction materials. This technically went into effect on May 14th, which would have been a week ago, uh, but guidance from the EPA is still forthcoming on this. This was a major talking point at wa- during Water Week in Washington, the last week of April, and there are a lot of really complex matters that need to still be kind of ironed out here. So there is a waiver process in place for this, similar to the American Iron and Steel Act. Again, I don't want to go into too much detail here because it is even more complex, I think, than the PFAS disposal elements. And there's just not a lot of concretes on it right now. However, I did did have an article on the 
webinar. So you can check that out in the show notes below so you can learn a little bit about why it is so complex. But Katie, you wanted to talk a little bit about the funding and the SRFs as those are starting to you know, be issued out. Yeah, definitely. So on May 13th, the US EPA sent out a press release announcing $1.9 billion in grant funding to the state revolving funds to aid in the acceleration of water infrastructure projects. This funding will help states, tribes, and territories update water infrastructure and should create thousands of new jobs across the country. Um, according to the press release throughout this year, the EPA is providing approximately $3.2 billion to clean water SRFs, including $1.2 billion in this new base federal grant funding, and $2 billion through the bipartisan infrastructure law. This investment is nearly is a near doubling of annual investment in the Clean Water SRF. And then additionally, the EPA is providing $6.4 billion to the drinking water SRFs, including $728 million in new base federal grant funding announced as part of that on May 13th, and then $5.7 billion through the bipartisan infrastructure law. So I know this is a lot of numbers. It's a lot to comb through. It can be a little confusing. So you can read the whole press release on our website, eStormwater.com. And uh, WWD is hosting a webinar on June 7th with panelists from ASDWA, NACWA, and Bentley on SRF implementation. So you can look for the registration page on the WWD website, um, WWD or www.wwdmag.com slash type slash webinars. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that uh, to that webinar. Uh, we've got a good panelist from ASDWA and from NACWA on there. Bentley is going to talk a little bit about how their digital technologies can help maximize the amount of money that you're spending with SRF and both Alan Roberson from ASDWA and Jason Iskovic from NACWA have a lot of intimate knowledge from both the clean water and the drinking water side of things. So I'm really looking forward to hearing about their experiences with this and how, you know, utilities and engineers can make sure they get the most of the funding that's that's out there right now. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, so to touch on this, I was at the Ohio Stormwater Conference last week and there were a handful of presentations that talked about the bipartisan infrastructure law and understanding it and understanding where the money's coming from and where it's going and how to get it. So we know it's an important topic to this entire industry. So I think this webinar will be great. And just, you know, we're, we're trying our best to cover it all for you guys too. So for sure. <laughs> stay updated on our websites. Um, but finally, we can share our interview with Jesse and Brian from the city of Alexandria. So without further ado, here it is. everyone. Welcome to Talking Underwater. Today I am joined by Jesse Maines, who is Stormwater Management Division Chief for the City of Alexandria. He also serves as Secretary for the Virginia Municipal Stormwater Association and is on the Chesapeake Bay Program's Urban Stormwater Work Group. He's also a member of the International City County Management Association and Center for Watershed Protection. Brian Rawl is also with us and he is the division's senior civil engineer. He manages development in the city's FEMA flood zones, stormwater infrastructure planning and remote sensing program for rain and stream gauges. He is lead modeler for hydrology and hydraulics of the city's storm sewer system and riverine waterways. He is a city's FEMA community rating systems quarter coordinator and today we are going to be discussing flood mitigation, how flooding affects wastewater and drinking water, green infrastructure solutions to flood mitigation, and more. So Jesse and Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank Good you morning. for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. 
Yeah, of course. So to get us started, can you just tell us a little bit about the work you are doing in uh, Alexandria? Sure. Yeah, I'll go first. Um, yeah, thanks for having us here. Uh, we definitely appreciate it and look forward to, to talking to you a little bit today. Um, yeah, the work we do here is really focused on stormwater quality and stormwater flooding mitigation. Um, so uh, some of our big initiatives lately has been with the Flood Action Alexandria program. Um, that it includes uh, funding large capital projects and some even smaller projects, but to, to mitigate flooding in the city, um, our rain gauge and stream gauge networks, um, the FEMA program that you talked about that, that Brian runs, uh, floodplain management. We also protect water quality and the, the, uh, our local streams, the Potomac River and the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, that includes programmatic things like providing education outreach, uh, keeping pollution out of our, uh, our storm system and our streams. Uh, also doing large capital projects for water quality as well. Just to add, uh, as far as some of the things that I do uh, in Alexandria, um, one of my hats is the uh, floodplain administrator for the city. And so I'm reviewing development plans that uh, are planned for uh, inside the city's uh, FEMA floodplains. Um, I also do um, the uh, plan review for um, capital projects um, and capital planning for for the big uh, capital improvement projects that we're planning for uh, addressing some of those flood mitigation. Um, I guess that's about a good introduction anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure we'll dive in more too. <laughs> Um, for, so from what I understand, the city handles stormwater and sanitary sewers, Virginia American Water handles drinking water, and Alex Renew handles wastewater. So how do you communicate all of this with the public and try to help them understand, you know, who to go to, who's doing what, and how it, how it all works? Because we talk a lot about public education and that sometimes being a challenge. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, Alexandria is a historic city that was founded, you know, in the in the mid 1700s um, and a pretty affluent city at the time. And some of the state of the art uh, infrastructure uh, at the time was a combined sewer system. So we also have a combined sewer system in the in the uh, city as well. And like you said, we have the combined sewer system. We have the separate sanitary system, which is uh, uh, the combined system and the wastewater treatment plant is managed by Alex Renew or Alexander Renew Enterprises. And the collection system for sanitary is managed by the city of Alexander. We have a lot of programs to keep those functional and, and working in a state of good repair. And then the, the stormwater system is managed by the city of Alexandria. And as we talked about through our through our programs and through infrastructure, um, whether it be development review for water quality or quantity, or um, maintaining our infrastructure so that's in a good a state of good repair is managed by the city. And then the, um, the drinking water, like you said, is Virginia American water. Sometimes it can, with all those entities working together on different parts of the, of the, the overall system of, of really what's one water and working together with our partners as well. Um, you know, it does take some education, uh, whether it's, you know, 
through our different, you know, social media, online, uh, you know, websites, e-news, those types of things, and just uh, staying in contact and having those um, those good contacts at those different, uh, you know, organizations help us to work together and make sure that we're all understanding what's going on, that we're working together for those different parts of the system. Yeah, I think um, just to add to that a little bit, sure. um, the from a resident perspective, um, they get different bills. Uh, they get a bill from American uh, Virginia American Water. Um, they get um, a sanitary sewer bill from the city. Um, so it doesn't come from uh, uh, Alex Renew. Um, what um, what the city manages um, in, for both water and wastewater. Water is uh, what the city maintains is the uh, fire hydrants. And what the city maintains on the sanitary sewer side is all the collection system. Mm -hmm. So all the collection, all the pipes in the ground in the streets that deliver sanitary sewer flows to the treatment plant. That's all um, planned and managed and maintained by the city. So it's there is some education and some confusion that we need to uh, address, um, sure. but it, it I don't think it's a big issue in Alexander. It comes up, but it does, and we 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 try to manage it. You know, work with our partners so that folks know who's who's doing what. And if we we get contacted sometime of, oh, you know, something's my water pressure is not very. Uh, good right now. What do I do? And we, oh, you know, call Virginia American Water and mm -hmm. they have an online reporting, just like we have an online reporting. If there's something going on, uh, if somebody sees something, you know, it could be with our storm or our sanitary, they can report to us through an online system or app um, and we can get a service request. So most of our uh, agencies that we just talked about have those quick reporting and response mechanisms to address any kind of things that may come up. Okay. And um, from what I understand, Alexandria recently or last year became the first municipality in Virginia to secure public funds to use for grants on, you know, private property so homeowners can purchase flood mitigation devices. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. We're we're uh, pretty stoked about that program. Yeah. Um, so when when uh, when we saw this need of of kind of a quick you know, uh, property owners being able to do something on their property and joining this kind of kind of a public private partnership. Sure. Um, so at the time with the Virginia Code, uh, we weren't able to spend, you know, public funds on private property in this way. Uh, so through some of our local uh, Congress people and and working through that process with our attorney's office, we were able to change the code in Virginia, um, you know, speak in front of some of the um, the, the smaller uh, committees, you know, that were working on this. And so we, we helped to get the uh, code changed. And so what we're able to do now, we start, the code was changed the 1st of July. We launched the prog uh, last year. We launched the program uh, mid-August. So we were very hopeful, hopeful that it was going to happen because um, a lot of localities in Virginia as in the nation are, are experiencing these, these type of flash flooding events. Right. Um, so, you know, they saw the need for it as well. So our, our residents and our businesses are able to install flood mitigation practices. We have a, a 
a manual online. We have information online. You can call us up and we can, you know, help kind of point you in the right direction of the types of mitigation measures to use. Um, and so they can, once they install those, it's a reimbursement program. Okay. They can apply through our online system, provide us some of the documentation that they've done this work and they've installed these eligible pro, uh, uh, practices, excuse me. Um, and they can get up to $5,000 of matching grant. So if they spend 10,000, they can get up to 5,000. Well, you know, they can get up to five, they spend 10, they get five and we'll match it 50%. Um, for those. And it's just, it's part of the overall kind of uh, strategy that we have. These are quicker things that someone can do to protect their property, their, their families, mm -hmm. uh, and from, you know, flooding. And uh, while we're putting together these longer projects that are capital projects that Brian is leading uh, up to install those, you know, it takes time to deliver a capital projects where they can do this a little bit quicker. Uh, while we're working on those other projects. Okay. And what are some of those eligible practices and, and mitigation devices that people can use? And how did you come up with those, you know, requirements for them? Yeah, so I'll talk about that. That's um, when um, people are getting flooding into their basement, it's usually coming from an overland flow uh, either from the street or from through their neighborhood in the backs of the homes uh, to a, uh, a walkout uh, basement door. So the door is below grade, but there's steps that go up and the water comes down the stairs and stacks up in that little well mm -hmm. and then pushes the door open and floods their basement. Um, one thing that, that we promote is our barriers barriers to entry points into the home, whether it's a door or a window, um, things like that. Um, and there are um, off-the-shelf devices that uh, are growing in number and popularity. Um, just look at Amazon and search for flood barrier. Um, and there's many, many items that, uh, they're, and they're not that cheap. Right. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, we'll help pay for 50% of that. Also, um, some of the um, some of the eligible items are are regrading. If you're going to you know to redirect some stormwater flows from those entry points, uh, grading uh, French drains, um, using um, water resistant materials. So if you uh, if you had carpet in your basement and it flooded, we wouldn't help you replace carpet. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, some ceramic tile or something that was uh, water resistant, that would be eligible. Um, uh, sump pumps, um, also not cheap for high flow capacity for stormwater. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we'll pay for half of that. Um, things like that. And there's a, a big list on our website. Um, so there's lots to choose from. And it's a pilot project, uh, right? So this is we're learning as we go sure. and we're hearing from people and some folks are putting things in. We go, wow. Yeah. That's let's add that to our list okay. and we'll do it a case by case. So, sure. you know, we'll go out and take a look and see what they put in, add that to our list. And so we continue to, um, you know, continuous improvement really and learning and, and adding more eligible practices. 
And since the uh, start of the program in August till today, so we haven't, it hasn't been a whole year. Mm -hmm. um, we had nearly 200 applications and we have paid out almost a half million dollars. Okay. That was going to be my next question is how, you know, has it been going so far? <laughs> so Yeah, it, it's been very popular. Um, the first thing we did was address people who had flooded already. And because we just didn't like, we didn't know how we knew there had been a lot of flooding and we wanted to kind of take a few steps into it, get mm -hmm. those people protected first, make sure that they have the first crack at the funds and see what kind of funding we had left as well. Um, one of the fortunate things we have is the, um, the support of our city council, the city manager and our community as well. We have an ad hoc uh, storm uti stormwater utility flood mitigation advisory group, you know, big old mm -hmm. advisory group, right? We call our, our the ad hoc, we call it, um, that are made up of citizens as well who have experienced flooding. And through this, we've been able to work together and, um, you know, create these kind of programs, but also provide support for our stormwater utility program, which is a dedicated funding source that, you know, all properties in the city pay this fee as a dedicated funding source for these kind of programs for our capital improvement programs as well. Okay, awesome. And Jesse, you touched on something earlier. Um, you mentioned, you know, One Water and how, you know, with all these different, you know, groups helping with Alexandria's water, it really is One Water. And that's something we talk about a lot. That's the point of this podcast. So how, you know, in from your point of view, how is all water connected? You know, how is flood flooding water affecting wastewater and drinking water? Yeah, that's a great question because sometimes we kind of we'll think about it a little bit, maybe split it out, but right. it, it really is all connected. Yeah. Um, like we see with with floodwaters, um, you know, water when it, as we know, storm water quality, floodwaters, they pick up stuff that's on the pavement, trash pollution, you know, dog waste, motor oil leaking from vehicles, uh, all that gets picked up and put into our, our waterways, right? If it's heavy flows, when it's flooding, it can erode the channel, it can have a lot of sediment with it, even eroding the land. So now you have dirty water with pollutants, including sediment, you know, everybody lives downstream from one another, right? Mm -hmm. um, so drinking water, especially in uh, parts of Virginia, you know, in, in our locality and many around here in the DMV, it's surface water. So it could be the Potomac River. It could be a reservoir like the Aquaquan Reservoir. So all that water running off gets into the river or the reservoir. Now you have to clean that water, right? It has to be purified before it can be turned into drinking water. Um, and just like the wastewater treatment plant, you know, they take in that water that's been flushed or it's coming out of a shower or somewhere else and they have to clean it before it goes back into the river you know to support the uh the habitat and the ecology of the river as well the fish and the turtles and everything else in our in our economy and crabs and oysters and all those things so it's all connected um together the stormwater, the quality the flooding the you know the sanitary water um and drinking water it's all connected yeah, one thing that flooding could really impact um, is is the treatment plant. Sure. Um, they're they're at the lowest end of the uh, watershed generally, um, and their discharge is very close to them, and it goes right into some receiving body. 
Um, and if that receiving body floods, it can impede the performance of that treatment plant or disrupt it completely or cause a spill. Um, and, you know, it can be very hazardous to be around that when the area is flooded, not just that it's deep water everywhere. Um, so that's a, that's a challenge. And we saw the, the big effects of that in um, Harris County in, in uh, Texas for uh, Hurricane um, Henry. Was it Henry? I think it was Henry. I forget. <laughs> 2019 one. Yeah, I think it was Henry. Yeah. So the floodwaters overwhelmed the wastewater. Yeah, treatment. pretty much every yeah. treatment plant in Harris County was inundated for at least a week. Yeah. Completely stopped service. So that's affects that. Affects that's, the drinking water. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's hard to put back or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, what are you know, some of the solutions you see to this? You know, I know we, you guys talked about green infrastructure a little bit. How are you using that to mitigate flooding? So green infrastructure is very useful for um, mitigating the early, early runoff, what we like to call the first flush. Uh, so that does capture uh, some runoff and gets it into the ground or into a, a, um, an under drain that goes into the, the storm sewer. Um, but it's generally not at a, a capacity uh, available in land area, especially in Alexandria when we have so little real estate for a lot of green infrastructure. Um, it's, um, it loses its effectiveness at a, a larger storm because the capacity just isn't there for mm -hmm. us. Uh, but it is very good for early runoff treatment. Um, and that's that's a good thing. We want to have that. We want to have green roots. We want to have rain gardens. Uh, we want to have all that stuff. Yeah, and we do promote those through our development process too. We install some, but through our development process um, in, in Alexander, I think we're the only one in the state that requires 65% of the water uh, of pollutant reduction for development and redevelopment to be met through green infrastructure. Um, so that would be like a, a, a swell, a bioretention facility. You see the one, you know, some, they look like tree wells, you, you know this, mm -hmm. right? they kind of look like tree wells and looks like you have some nice greenery, but really they provide that, um, that uh, water quality as well too. Um, so we have some of those in our Old Town area, we have uh, some in our Carlisle or what some people call New Old Town, if you will. Um, uh, a lot of green roofs on our libraries, on uh, City Hall has a green roof. Um, there's a number, uh, yeah, two, two of our libraries actually. Our health department has a green roof. We continue to promote those, um, like, like Brian was saying, the green infrastructure, especially for water quality. And it does provide some flood attenuation for the smaller storms. Uh, for the larger storms, what we're seeing and looking at are large infrastructure projects to provide additional capacity or con uh, conveyance and for storage of those big storms to address flooding issues for uh, you know, the majority or a good, uh, a lot of our ratepayers, if you will, in the stormwater utility, it kind of comes back to that as well. 
Um, so that's what we're seeing for those big storms to address some of the flooding issue is, is some uh, coupled with green infrastructure, but then providing storage as well. And that's really our biggest challenge to date is dealing with these more frequent, higher intensity rain events that have really challenged us over the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. It does seem like, you know, they say the storms are getting more frequent and more intense. So <laughs> yeah, they really are. I don't know how familiar you are with our recent history, but um, it, things kind of really changed in 2018. Okay. We got a record rain year for the region, uh, almost double what we would normally get on an average annual basis. Um, from then on, uh, we got a giant storm uh, regionally affected, not just Alexandria, it was DC, uh, Fairfax County, uh, Loudoun, uh, all the way down to uh, Mount Vernon, where they, I think they recorded a 500 year rain event at Mount Vernon on that day, on that day in, in uh, July, 2019. Um, we had a similar local, a little bit more local storm uh, with similar flooding in the city. Um, in the following July in uh, 2020, um, and then it happened again in September, 2020 and then happened again in August of last year. Mm -hmm. So three consecutive summers of really big really rain. Big rain events. Yeah. Um, and that's really what's what's driving this push to obtain the resources that we need to make, affect some big changes. So, so what we did too, and I talked about it, I, I kind of mentioned a little bit, so in response to the, the 2020 storms that Brian was talking about mm -hmm. is when our, our city manager's office or city council really got engaged and we created this strike team, right? To address the flooding issues. And part of that strike team was increasing the stormwater utility fee as that dedicated funding source. We knew we had some flooding issues and we were uh, looking to address those. But when we got those storms, we really ramped up increased the uh we doubled the fee um and that was like i said that was supported by council by the community by the manager's office and through that strike team that we worked together interdepartmentally right to put together that the uh the rain gauge and increasing the rain gauge and the stream gauge network that brian was talking about we also went around and talked to the neighborhoods that were flooding there were 20 plus neighborhoods that we, it was during COVID. So some we met on site, we masked, we distanced. Um, we also met virtually and it was really good to hear really what was happening to them. You know, we we had our three one, we had those requests that came in that I talked about that system, that online system, that's our Alex 311. So we got a lot of different service requests. We were able to map those. We were able to map our storms and create heat maps went and talked to those communities and um, to get ideas of what had happened. And so it's really forming the basis of our projects that we're putting together too. So our schedule of projects are really hitting those neighborhoods that have been impacted by the storms over the last three years um, through projects that maybe some are as big as others, uh, down to inlet projects that we've done in Hume Avenue and Clifford, Fulton, and Manning is some of our neighborhoods to increase 
inlet size and capacity so the water can get into the inlet and can get into the pipe and get off the you know get off the land where it stacks up and causes flooding um, some of those projects are in the tens of thousands we have some other projects that are in the millions um, tens, of millions. tens of millions some of the big ones um, we're using grant funding where we can so to um, to uh, bring in some other funding besides just stormwater utility locally uh, we're bringing in grant funding from the state the community flood preparedness fund uh, we have some funding from arpa that we're doing projects on uh, some storm sewer bypass projects and additional uh, other kind of infrastructure and inlets um, so we're using all the tools we can in the toolbox to deliver these capacity projects these spot projects uh, drainage and flooding projects um, in concert with the flood mitigation program as well so we kind of and maintenance that we're ongoing maintenance, whether it be uh, frequency of maintenance and proactive or before the storm comes to make sure that our infrastructure is working properly before the, stump, the storm comes along. Gotcha. Well, it sounds like you guys have quite a plan in place and are working to get all the resources that that you possibly can to help to help with flood mitigation, which is you know great to hear. Um, and I know we could talk about this for hours, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. So, is there anything you want to add before I let you guys go that we haven't talked about? I would say um, first, just thank you for having us here to talk sure. with you, and uh, it's really good and, and helps to highlight. I know there are a lot of localities. Um, you know, in the state and the nation across the world, really, we see a lot of this flooding right in the past mm -hmm. couple of years is is hit folks even more frequently. So just, you know, thanks for the opportunity to to come and talk to you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for your time. Yeah, great. Awesome. Well, have a good rest of your day and uh, thank you again. All right. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jesse and Brian, for that interview and for sharing all of your insight with us. We really appreciate it. Um, and before we wrap up today's episode, we do have some housekeeping, so I'll throw it back over to Bob. Yes, so we have some big news regarding this podcast, Water and Waste Digest, Stormwater Solutions, and Water Quality Products. On April 13th, Endeavor Business Media acquired the Scranton Gillette Water Infrastructure Group, which comprises Water and Waste Digest, Stormwater Solutions, and Water Quality Products. It also managed to purchase infrastructure titles, construction equipment, and roads and bridges. So all of these publications now have a new home with Endeavor Business Media. And if I'm going being completely honest here, I'm so excited about this. We have a lot more potential and the prospects that we have available to us in terms of covering the industries and the content avenues that are available and the resources are the potential is just so much greater than what Scranton Gillette could, could have afforded us due to the size of Endeavor Business Media. And we're, I'm really, really excited about that. And I hope that that means that we can do even more awesome things with this podcast moving forward. Uh, we're still working through some of the transition period right now, but uh, hopefully by midsummer, we have a better understanding of what we can bring to you guys and how we can elevate this podcast to the next level. Uh, Katie, did you have anything you wanted to share on this as well? Yeah, I mean, I basically echo everything that you just said. I think the, you know, being able to access a little bit more resources than we had will help us, you know, elevate our coverage to, you know, make it even better and also expand what we can do, which is really exciting. 
Um, I also think that we should mention that we do have new emails because of this acquisition. So we'll put those in the show notes. And we're also going to be getting a new Talking Underwater email, which we will also, you know, put in show notes and share as we have available. But yeah, I mean, we're going to, you know, keep doing the podcast as we have and, and hopefully make it even better for everyone. Yeah. So yeah, definitely check out those new emails. For now, you can still use the current Talking Underwater email, which we will get to at the end of the episode, but we will be transitioning that over as well. And we will announce that in, I think it'll probably be the next episode, to be honest with you. But more back to the housekeeping for individual brands. I wanted to highlight for WWD that we are sharing our weekly videos of the 2022 WWD Young Pros. You can check out the playlist on our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash 2022-WWD-YP-videos. And also, we are currently open for submissions for top projects and for industry icon for WWD. So make sure to go to our website at the top. You will see a link that says nominate awards. Click that link. It'll take you to our nomination page, show you all of our awards programs. From there, you can nominate for top projects, for industry icon. You can even nominate for young pros for next year. The deadline for top projects and industry icon for this year is June 15th. So it's really quickly approaching. Make sure you get in your nominations today. And the next SWS webinar is on May 26th. We will be offering a free webinar on sediment control that is worth one PDH. So you are welcome to register and attend for free at bit.ly slash SWS May web. Um, and with that, don't forget to like, subscribe, share on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, anywhere you can get podcasts. Um, reach us at talkingunderwater at sgcmail.com to share your thoughts or if you have any pitches for interviews. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TUW Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.